Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shirtliff. show is heard on WBCQ The Planet every Tuesday and Thursday evenings at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also pick it up on YouTube. Just visit our YouTube channel, Camp Constitution. And you can also pick it up on ipmnation.org. I believe it's broadcast every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And Podomatic, that's um, a, a, a site, podomatic.com, and just put in Camp Constitution, and you'll be able to find our show. Uh, this show is brought to you by Camp Constitution, which, among all things, runs a week-long family camp, and this year's camp will be returning to the Lakeside Christian Camp and Conference Center in, in uh, beautiful Pittsfield, Massachusetts, which is in the western part of the state, and as we have... Over the last 10 camps, we have an, a great lineup of instructors. And uh, for more information, please visit our website, campconstitution.net. Now, on this show, I'm going to talk a little bit about these hate crimes or hate crime hoaxes. But first, I want to uh, discuss the, top, the term hate crime. Now, I don't know of any crime motivated by love, uh, so I think it's sort of a doublespeak, a hate crime. Wouldn't you think that all crimes are motivated by hatred, or at least not a, an overbiting love of the victim? Uh, the term hate crime started to be used in the 1980s, and it, it's supposed to be a crime motivated by hatred of a person's race, religion, natural origin, sexual orientation, uh, etc. And... I remember, I, I live in Boston, I grew up in the city, and I remember a very ugly incident that took place. A uh, Someone I would refer to as white trash, uh, a young man, I think it was, he was in his early 20s. He assaulted an elderly black man who was minding his own business with his wife, walking down a street, and it was at night, and he hit him with a, either a hammer or a board, I can't remember, I think it was a board he hit him with. And he called them some vile names, some racial epithets. And, of course, I won't repeat what he called them, pretty vulgar stuff. And he was arrested and tried. Now, the actual assault and battery, the, uh, the you know, hitting him in the head, the man did survive, but he was brought to the hospital and he was, you know, pretty badly beaten. For that, he got something like six months or less than a year. But because he used racial epithets, that landed him in jail for about five years or so. And I mean, if and by the way, if he just hit him with the bat, maybe it was a baseball bat that he used. He hit him with the bat and took his wallet and said, thank you, sir. More power to you. He would have been charged with assault and robbery. But because he, the, the, he didn't, the motivation wasn't robbery. It was based on his hatred of blacks, or at least his hatred of this particular black man. He goes to jail. And I think that's, to me, that's, um, uh, 
it's more like a thought crime. I mean, you think something bad of somebody, uh, you're going to uh, you're going to be more punished more severely than you are actually robbing somebody. And I know something's not right here. Now, uh, the man should have been severely punished for his evil act. The motivation really should not have been the issue, the actual crime. I mean, if he just yelled at him and called him, you know, called him some racial names, that in itself should have been punished. It would be, you know, verbal abuse or assault. Um, but that's the problem with our, our country today. It's uh, it, we've we've twisted things around here. Uh, and as I said before, there's no such thing as a love crime. So why do we use the term hate crime? Isn't every crime uh, motivated by hatred, or at least a, a strong indifference about the person, the victim's well-being? Now, uh, we've been, um, there's, a, of course, the recent uh, hate crime hoax that took place in in uh, Chicago, made the news everywhere. Of course, when the story broke, certain people, people on the left mainly, people who hate Donald Trump, the leftist media, they wanted to believe the story. And I think it's part of our human nature, by the way, which is depraved, is that we tend to believe what we want to believe and not believe what we don't want to believe. And sometimes even when the facts are apparent, you know, if, if this indeed happened, if there were two white men that did this horrible act, we would say this is uh, this may, these people should be punished. But what the left wants to do is say, you see, it's Donald Trump's fault. This climate of hatred it brings out the the nastiness in people, and this is what you get when you get a guy like Donald Trump in the White House. That is the narrative. But of course, we know what happened uh, within a few days or within a week, actually. And I have to thank the Chicago police. The police chief did an incredible job. A lot of these uh, Chicago, a lot of big city policemen are nothing more than political appointees, and they will do the bidding of the uh, the left-wing mayors. Like in the city of Boston, last year in the city of Boston, actually it was, yes, it was last August, August of 2000, no, August of 2017, time does fly, uh, there was a um, a free speech rally that took place in on Boston's Common. And the narrative is that these people organizing this rally are the same people that organized the rally that was in Charlotte, um, I think it was in North Carolina, uh, the, the week before where there was some violence. Uh, a woman was killed, a woman was run down and killed, uh, and it was other uh, assaults and what have you. But the bottom line is this: these people, these organizers had nothing to do uh, with it people in Charlotte at all. They were totally, this thing had been planned well in advance. Our mayor of Boston, uh, Walsh, knew about it. The governor, the left-wing Republican governor, Charlie Baker, anyone could have simply went to their Facebook page and seen that this uh, group that organized this event were local libertarians. In fact, one of the guys was someone, you know, that I know, you know, pretty uh, mild-mannered uh, uh, libertarian guy, and it was a libertarian student from a state college, Fitchburg, but instead, they said, oh, racism, we're not going to tolerate it. Oh, they have their free speech, but we're not going to tolerate it. And there were just thousands of counter-protesters. And it would have been very, it could have got very ugly. Uh, they had to put a, it was just a small group of people who eventually showed up to be part of this rally. Just a handful of people. Most of the folks uh, just canceled and said, hey, you know, we don't want to take our life into our own hands. And the Antifa mobs came out, and uh, when they couldn't find any neo-Nazis and skinheads and racists, they went after the police. 
And so uh, that was, in essence, a hoax perpetrated by the mayor of Boston, the governor, and all those people, uh, and the police chief of, of Boston. He um, He's no longer there, thankfully, but he uh, just went along with it. But the police chief of, uh, of Chicago, he could have bought into the narrative, but he didn't. And I have to commend him for that. But so, uh, so eventually we found out it was two black guys that were hired by this uh, Jesse Smollett, this uh, actor. I've never heard of the guy. You know, he had to be a homosexual, black homosexual. So he's got all, all that stuff going for him. I suppose if he was handicapped and black and a homosexual, that would have been, a, you know, a, 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 almost a full house here of, uh, of social, so for the social justice people. But he was a, it was a complete fraud, a hoax. And these aren't uh, unusual. There's plenty. There's been plenty of them. In fact, in 1994, a liberal professor by the name of Lard Wilcox, University of Kansas, wrote a book. It was called uh, Crying Wolf, Hate Crime Hoaxes. And I remember I have, I have a copy of it in my library before the Internet was so popular. And he pointed out that there's been a number of them. And he also pointed out that there's a lot of left wing organizations that make money off of these types of things. He usually the Southern Poverty Law Center is one of the most egregious entities. They, I think, they enjoy this. If you can't, if you can't have a real hate crime, then why don't you go out and create one? And they can go out and have their fundraising letters and raise money. Oh, someone painted a swastika on a church or or, or a synagogue, and we have to fight this hatred. Just send us money. And all these scared liberals, uh, oh, my goodness, the neo-Nazis are, well, oh, they're going to both take over the country. I remember not too long ago, I had an information table on Boston Common. And this very uh, thoughtful black gentleman came by, young, young guy, probably in his late 20s, early 30s. And we had a good time. He was uh, not sympathetic to our worldview, but he was very respectful and listened. And But he has this notion that around, just around the city of Boston is just ringed with neo-Nazis ready to pounce upon the black community and commit murder and mayhem. And he says, well, you know, where are you getting this information from? Well, the Southern Poverty Law Center. You know, you see their hate crime map. You know, they'll have a hate crime map or a hate groups. And uh, New Hampshire, for example, has 10 hate groups actively operating in the state. And you look at uh, one of the two of them happen to be the same entity. It's the it's a conservative Catholic group. I don't call them a hate group. I know some of these people. They're loving, decent people. They, they're uh, what they call Vatican II Catholics, the St. Benedict Center. And, you know, not everybody, there's maybe been a few examples of where somebody has said something inappropriate, like any organization and every group. Uh, but they're considered a hate group, and they're really a hardcore hate group. Look and see how many uh, acts of hate do they done. I bet you you can't find one police report in that in that area where they operate. They say they operate in Richmond, New Hampshire, which is a little town of about 2,000 people. You drive by there and you don't even know these people are there except for a little sign that says St. Benedict Center. And I'm thinking, this is a hate group. You know, are they going around burning crosses or crucifixes on people's property? Where's all the violence? Where's all the evidence? And there was, uh, there was a couple of these neo-Nazi skinhead groups. Well, I happen to be pretty familiar with people in New Hampshire. It says operating statewide. I'm thinking it's probably some white trash guy with a peel box in a trailer park. And yet they listed as a statewide operation. And my goodness, these hate groups, we have to do something about them. And I look at Maine and there was one, uh, there's one person 
uh, and he's actually a friend of mine. Uh, he doesn't have a hateful bone in his body. He says some things that the left doesn't agree with, and he got fired over it, and he held his ground, and he's listed as a hate group. Well, I guess we're not. Camp Constitution has not made the ranks of a hate group, but uh, maybe we're not working harder. And it, it's just ludicrous. But you see this stuff. Now, I was um, doing a little research just a little before the show, and I wanted to go into you know how many of uh, these uh, hate crimes and the statistics. Now, the FBI compiles statistics on hate crimes, and I think the last statistics were 2017, and they said hate crime has gone up 17% over the year before. Oh, that must be because Donald Trump has been president. But it also said, well, it's gone up 17%, but we receive a thousand more police departments are reporting, or a thousand more. Well, if you, that was the case, then I would think it would probably go down because if they, a thousand more entities are reporting, uh, and a, according to this report, the FBI report, there was something like 7,000 and something hundred hate crimes. 20% were against religion. There were so many against uh, Jews, so many against Muslims. Uh, now, there are some people that won't acknowledge hate crimes against whites or against Christians. It's almost like we don't count that. So you have to take that, and most of these were individual uh, acts by individuals against other individuals. I guess if you look at a country of, um, you know, 300, well, 300 plus million, that's probably not too bad. And sometimes these these were resulting in robberies, or but most of them were just, uh, you know, acts where, uh, you know, verbal verbal assaults, from what I from what I was able to gather. And again, that doesn't include um, a lot of uh, hate crimes against Christians and, and cr against whites. That's a very few. Uh, again, mo the, the politically correct uh, worldview is that you cannot, uh, uh, blacks can't be racist, Latinos can't be racists, et cetera. And you would find that that's just the opposite. Of course, everybody has racist tendencies. Now, um, there was a good article in Breitbart recently, and it was entitled, um, how's it go? Uh, 15 recent hate crime hoaxes that might make you suspect there's a trend. And it mentioned, of course, the most recent one. Uh, here it is, uh, November 16th. A pro-gay, should say homosexual, Indiana church was vandalized with slurs, including one reading, Heil Trump. It was actually the church's own organ player who did, did it as a hoax. Firefighters battle arson at a church attended by African-Americans. On the wall of the church, a presumed arsonist wrote, vote Trump, in apparent reference to the upcoming election. It was a sick hoax perpetrated by one of the parishioners. In Lafayette, Kentucky, a woman falsely claimed to have held her, uh, had her hijab stolen by white men wearing Trump hats. Uh, December 2016, a Plainview, New York man was charged with perpetrating another vandalism hoax in which he painted several swastikas around the campus of Nassau Community College. A Muslim woman made up another hijab-stealing hate crime hoax, claiming that three men screamed, Donald Trump attacked her. April 2017, an arson case in Charlotte, North Carolina, first appeared to be a hate crime when the perpetrator left a note reading, our newly elected president, Donald Trump, is our nation builder for white America. You all know that we want our country back on the right track. We need to get rid of Muslims, Indians, and all immigrants. It was a hoax. May 2017, a racist note left on the windshield of an African-American 
St. Olaf student touched off campus-wide protests and got the college to cancel classes. It was a hoax perpetrated as strategy to draw attention to concerns about campus climate. November 17, 2017, a Kansas man defaced his own car with racist slogans. Police soon concluded this to be another vandalism hoax. December 2017, the U.S. Justice Department announced the conviction of Juan Thompson, a reporter for The Intercept, for making hoax bomb threats to Jewish community centers. And on and on it goes. So here is just um, an example of these hate crimes, uh, hate crime hoaxes. And in Lord Wilcox's books, uh, book from 1994, because he listed the infamous uh, T T Tiana Browley case, that was um, back in the 80s where Al Sharpton uh, made uh, made the moves and probably put him on the map. Um, Al Sharpton said something to the effect that this will make me the biggest blank racial epithet in the country where he'll be bigger than Jesse Jackson. So he just did it to promote himself, promoter that he is an evil man, by the way, the Bible is very clear. It talks about, uh, in the old Testament, I can't remember exactly which uh, book it is. Um, one of the first, uh, I think it was, uh, let's see. Uh, well, anyway, it says that there are five things the Lord hates, six are an abomination. I'm not, I'm not quoting it verbatim, but he said, uh, hands that shed innocent blood, uh, people, uh, the, those who sow discord amongst brothers. And that's what he does. He does it very well. And he's been doing it. He's made him, he's become a millionaire over it. And Jesse Jackson did the same thing. I remember that there was an incident in back in the nineties or maybe actually it was probably in the early two thousands, uh, Wallingford, Connecticut, the town, you know, small town. It's about, I don't know, 30 miles South of Har uh, Hartford. And they voted not to give their employees time, time and a half or, uh, for Martin Luther King Day. Now, it's a federal holiday. Uh, but so if you work for the federal government, you're off. You work for the post office or a federal job, you're off. Uh, it's a state holiday. But this particular town, they had an option of one day over another. And it had nothing to do with racism. It had nothing to do with neo-Nazis taking over the town and causing racial strife. It had to do with the budget, the economic issue. And so I guess they chose, and I don't remember all the details. So Jesse Jackson makes a big deal about it. They put billboards all over the state of Connecticut. They spend thousands of dollars in this campaign. Jesse Jackson shows up, you know, uh, makes a big grandstanding speech, and a guy shows up in a Klan uniform, and they made a bow. Oh, here's Jesse, good old Jesse, fighting the evil white racists. And I had a letter in the local paper. I said, uh, look at all of the money they spent on this fraud. They could have, with the money they spent on billboards and causing people to be upset, you know, all the media, the coverage they got, they could have probably uh, sent 10 people, 10 worthy black students to a college for four years, uh, four years of tuition for the money they spent on this stupid grandstanding act. And I added also for the rent of the, the rental of the Klan uniform. But I don't know if the guy who shows up in a Klan uniform was part of the ceremony of, you know, the fraud, but I, I wouldn't doubt it. And that's another thing, too. The media should be investigating these kinds of things, and they don't anymore. They just take everything at the corporate media anyway, pretty much take everything at face value. They don't do a good job. The uh, this, this notion of the investigative journalist getting to the truth, you know, getting all his contacts and all that, that's that's been a myth. That's Most of these people don't leave their offices. You know, they, they've written their stories or they make a few phone calls, and they'll never, you know, call 
the left will never, almost never call someone on the other side of the spectrum to get their point. That's almost unheard of. So uh, anyway, so I do recommend uh, that book, The Hate Crime Hoax. And by the way, there are crimes motivated by people's hatred. Hatred is a sin. It's a sin against God. And uh, we as Christian people, people of goodwill who aren't Christians, should do what they can not. But the way you do away, you don't smash hatred. You don't fight racism by smashing it. And by you do it by changing people's hearts. And this is what the left, even the well and well, the left the liberals are well intentioned. The left isn't. But the liberals don't understand that you can't fight something with violence. You have to change people's hearts. That's how you uh, stop racism. You know, that you accept Christ as your savior. Uh, he, he, Christ will build a new person inside of you. And you can't call yourself a professing Christian and say that you hate people, you hate a group. I would say that the evolutionists, the the original evolutionists, uh, the people who uh, pioneered this, the eugenics, they are the true racists. They believe that certain races are inferior and they're the true haters, even though they might give lip service to, uh, oh, I'm, I'm touchy feely progressive. But these folks are the real haters and uh, they don't. Uh, so but to a Christian, once you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know that people are made in God's image, whether they're white or black or Hispanic or whatever. So when you say, I hate that person because he or she belongs to a certain group, what you're saying is that you hate God's creation. Now, uh, I think it's legitimate to have some, some uh, to oppose people's worldview. I think certain religious perspectives should be opposed. That doesn't mean you hate the people who embrace these things. I don't hate the people on the left. I hate what they stand for. And, you know, I'd be the first one to help somebody. They get a flat tire. They, you know, they, they need help. And my, I have liberal neighbors. I would help my go to go to go to the extra mile to help my liberal neighbors. You know, uh, that's where you show love. And that's how you overcome. That's the best way to overcome hatred is with love that's the christian perspective not not this idea of violent marches and stupid signs and chanting that's not how you oppose hatred and the left uh, left isn't the left wants hatred they love hatred they thrive on it and you know i experienced this i learned a lot during the height of forced busing in boston in the 1970s uh, I lived in a predominantly white neighborhood. We were blue collar, middle class, a, little, a few white collar people sprinkle in the high park section. There was a small black population and everybody got along fine. There were actually there were blacks in the white, predominantly white housing project. And those blacks took the side of the white housing project. They were we're from this project where one where and they they would fight black the blacks in the high school when who when the when they when they would go after the white when the whites and blacks fought the whites from the uh, the blacks from this white project would side with the whites of the project it was very interesting but uh, so I saw how um, how the left operates they hire they have their agent provocateurs come in uh, to town and again it doesn't take a whole lot sometimes to promote hatred you know we have a sin nature and it got to a point where blacks were in Hyde Park they were being harassed uh, in South Boston uh, there was violent of course whites going to black neighborhoods or 
they got rocks thrown at them. There was an ugly incident where a, um, a black man, there was a anti-busing rally and a black cab driver was drawn out of his car, beaten. He ran into a home, uh, an apartment, and someone let him in. Uh, he did survive, thankfully, uh, but within a short time, the, the man who owned that apartment that tried to help this man got, got into, um, he, he, he ended up having, I think, had to move out of South Boston because he, he got his place vandalized. But within a few days, a white cab driver driving in the black neighborhood, one of the black neighborhoods, Roxbury, he was dragged out of his car, beaten, and he died, I think, a year later from his injuries. That's pretty ugly stuff. And I remember, now I got caught up in some of this, uh, but I ended up realizing you know, what was going behind the scenes. I remember I was driving my 1966 Ford, uh, Ford van uh, up the road, and there was this black man, an elderly black man, waiting for a bus. And there was a big mob of white kids, you know, killed a blankety blank. And some of these people I went to, I knew some of them. Some, they would never act like this, but this idea of a mob violence. So, Anyway, they got, um, they started throwing rocks at him, and I said, hey, get in, get in. He, poor guy, jumped in, and they were throwing rocks at my van, calling me names. And then I dropped him off in his neighborhood in Dorchester, or Mattapan, and on my way out, I was getting rocks thrown at me by black racists, calling me nasty things. So I was, I was a man without a country, I think it seemed. I was getting it from both sides. It was quite an interesting uh, experience. And I said, look at this, this poor black guy. He's working in the paper mill, which is now long gone. Uh, he had nothing to do with forced busing. He had nothing to do with the problems that some of these kids, these white kids were facing in the high school. And I drive, I'm dropping this guy off. I'm helping this poor guy. And instead, they should have, they should have given me a, an escort out of the community. They probably should have had taken me to dinner. No, they tried to kill me. But you see this, this uh, mob mentality. Then I remember uh, there was a neo-Nazi group came, came to Boston and they had a bus. It was like the size of a school bus, white power, the swastika. And the, the, these neo-Nazis had these um, SS uniforms and they looked like they had rented these from you know, central casting. I mean, these were perfectly tailored uniforms. And I said, and then the Progressive Labor Party comes into Boston and they march into South Boston and that started a riot. I said, you know, I think these neo-Nazis and I think these communists are working on the same side. And that was back in the 75 and 76, 74. So I realized that we're being played and hatred is a horrible, evil thing. And uh, again, the term hate crime, something that I have always, uh, to me, it's just, I've never liked the term because I think all crimes are based on hatred or, again, or, or a, a, a strong indifference towards the victim. And uh, the term hate crime is uh, one of these social justice terms that uh, and it's only applied uh, sparingly. It's only applied by um, by uh, certain groups against other groups. But uh, whites and Christians, Christian whites, I guess, are uh, cannot be considered uh, objects of hatred. Uh, and there are some examples uh, where they do have whites who have been assaulted by blacks or Hispanics or homosexuals. And there's some. But for the most part, the so I think a lot of these hate crimes these that the FBI compiles are suspect. Anyway, um, we only have a few minutes left and I want to I can uh, talk a little bit about uh, next this coming week. I'm going to be up in um, Arista County. 
And I know this show is broadcast out of Arista County. And uh, we're going to be showing the Gosnell movie at several venues on uh, Thursday. That would be the last day of this month, February 28th. We're going to be showing it at the American Legion Hall, 3 Fleming Street or Fleming Road. It's not a it's a small town, but it's right just just short, just in the center, close to the center of town. Uh, American Legion Hall. We're going to be showing the Gosnell movie. It's going to be a dinner. We're going to charge ten dollars uh, and just RS, uh, you know, give us a call. Go to our um, Facebook page where you can see the uh, events and with the events, just click it on and you'll see the Gosnell movie. So it's going to be Thursday at six o'clock, February 28th on the 1st. March 1st, we're going to be showing it in Holton, Maine at Tang's, Tang's Chinese Cuisine, 60 North Street, which is Route 1. And that's going to start at 6.30. This would be a free admission. Uh, we expect you to order off the menu, and we'll definitely pass the hat to help uh, with my travel expenses. And then Saturday, we're going to be showing it twice at the same place. This will be at the Governor's Restaurant from... Um, 9 a.m. on Saturday, the 2nd of March, and then uh, 3 p.m. on the 2nd of March. Then uh, this is Governor's Restaurant, and this is right in downtown Presque Isle uh, on Route 1, 350 Main Street. And um, we also encourage you, if you're listening to this show on a regular basis, you like what we do, like what we have to say, some of the great guests that we have. Sometimes I go solo when I have trouble lining up a guest in time or what have you. But uh, please con please consider supporting us financially. Go to our website, campconstitution.net, where you can uh, make a donation, a monthly donation, which what we prefer, $5 a month, $10 a month, even a dollar a month. I mean, if every listener gave us a dollar a month, uh, we'd be able to have this show on many more outlets uh, and have more of a voice and also to beef up our, uh, you know, our program, our overall year-round program. Anyway, with that, we want to thank you for listening. You've listened to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shirtliff, heard on WBCQ The Planet every Tuesday and Thursday afternoon uh, evenings at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And until next week, may God richly bless you. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.